Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the September 13th meeting of the San Francisco County Transportation Authority I am Board. I am Raphael Mandelman. I chair this board. Our vice chair is Aaron Peskin. Our clerk today is Elijah Saunders. Mr. Clerk, will you please call the roll? Taking roll call. Commissioner Chan? Present. Chan present. Commissioner Dorsey? Present. Dorsey present. Commissioner Mandelman? Present. Mandelman present. Commissioner Marr? Mar absent. Commissioner Melgar? Melgar absent. Commissioner Peskin? Present. Peskin present. Commissioner Preston? Preston present. Commissioner Ronan? Ronan present. Commissioner Safai? Present. Safai present. Commissioner Stephanie? Stephanie present. Commissioner Walton? Present. Walton present. Chair, we have quorum. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Um, I think you have a public comment announcement. I do. For members of the public interested in participating in this board meeting, we welcome your attendance here in person in the Legislative Chamber, Room 250 in City Hall. Or you may watch cable channel 26 or 99, depending on your provider. Or stream the meeting live at www.sfgovtv.org. For those wishing to make public comment remotely, the best way to do so is by dialing 415-655-0001 and when prompted, entering access code 2498-686-3170, and then press pound and pound again. You will be able to listen to the meeting in real time. When public comment is called for the item you wish to speak on, press star three to be added to the queue to speak. Do not press star three again or you will be removed from the queue. When the system says your line is unmuted, the live operator will advise you that you will be allowed two minutes to speak. When your two minutes are up, we will move on to the next caller. Calls will be taken in the order in which they are received. Best practices are to speak slowly, clearly, and turn down the volume of any televisions or radios around you. Public comment for items on this agenda will be taken first from members of the public in attendance in the legislative chamber, and then afterward from the remote speaker's queue on the telephone line. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Uh, before calling the next item, as chair, I want to invoke Rule 3.26 from the Rules of Order to limit total public comment per item to 30 minutes for today's meeting. And unless I specify otherwise, each speaker will have two minutes to speak on a given item. Uh, Mr. Clerk, can you please call the next item? Item two, final approval on first appearance. Approve the resolution making findings to allow teleconference meetings under California Government Code Section 54953E. This is an action item. Great, and I do not see any of my colleagues with comments or questions. Is there any public comment here in the chamber? Nope, can we see if we have any remote public comment? Checking for remote public comment. And there is no public comment. All right. Uh, is there a motion to approve item two? Moved by Peskin. Is there a second? Seconded by Dorsey. Uh, Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. On item two, Commissioner Chan? Aye. Chan, aye. Commissioner Dorsey? Aye. Dorsey, aye. Chair Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. Commissioner Marr? Marr, absent. Aye. Oh, excuse me. Marr, aye. Commissioner Melgar? Melgar absent. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston? Aye. Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan? Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai? Aye. Safai, aye. Commissioner Stephanie? Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton? 
Well, nine. There are 10 eyes. The motion passes. Thank you. Please call item three. Item three, approve the minutes of the July 26, 2022 meeting. This is an action item. All right, and I do not see comments or questions from colleagues. Let's open this item to public comment if there's any in the chamber, and I do not see any. Uh, so let's see if we have remote public comment. Checking for remote public comment on item three. And there is no public comment. All right, so uh, public comment on item three is closed. Is there a motion to approve item three? Moved by Ronan, seconded by Preston. Uh, please call the roll. On item three, Commissioner Chan? Aye. Chan, aye. Commissioner Dorsey? Aye. Dorsey, aye. Commissioner Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. Commissioner Mar? Aye. Mar, aye. Commissioner Melgar? Melgar absent. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston? Aye. Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan? Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai? Aye. Safai, aye. Commissioner Stephanie? Aye. Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton? Aye. Walton, aye. There are 10 ayes. The motion passes. Thank you, uh, Mr. Clerk. Please call item four. Item four, Community Advisory Committee report. This is an information item. Excellent, and I believe we have Kevin Ortiz here from the CAC. Welcome. Uh, good evening, commissioners. Um, my name is Kevin Ortiz. I am not Chair Klein, but I'm here today to provide uh, the update for um, the uh, San Francisco County Transportation Authority's uh, Community Advisory Committee, um, and I represent District 9. Um, so we had... Um, for the July 27th meeting, we had updates, uh, you know, on our bylaws as well as um, ethics trainings. Um, at that, it was very kind of an informational meeting that we did. Um, you know, this last meeting, we ended up having a couple reports on the OBAG uh, requests, um, so the one Bay Area grant um, grants. Um, and so um, there was a lot of discussion, particularly around the um, 16th, 24th, and um, Balboa Park stations particularly around uh, funding for the design funding for elevators. Now, um, I will say that, you know, I made the motion that we did support the project accordingly um, for um, moving to uh, uh, basically put the grant in, uh, moving the funding, the design funding away from the 1624th and Balboa Park stations to replacing the actual uh, BART fare gates. Um, yeah, so there's 199 BART fare gates um, that are going to be matched accordingly. Um, I know that they have to be submitted by uh, July or January 1st, um, but there was a lot of concerns that were brought up, particularly about moving design funds away from uh, those particular stations, particularly because they are in working class neighborhoods, pr primarily serving Latino serving, uh, Latin, uh, Latinx serving neighborhoods. And so um, we did request at the CAC that we have more of a regular update on uh, what happens with those stations accordingly. Um, so, you know, having BART um, coming to actually present at the next CAC meeting, as well as at the December meeting as well, too. Um, so that way we can get regular updates um, since it was made clear that there was not going to be any particular timeline about what would be happening with uh, actually the funding of those designs uh, accordingly. So um, those are uh, some of the quick updates that happened with the One Bay Area grant um, at our last CAC meeting um, earlier this week. Um, but I'm here for questions as well, too. All right. Thank you, Member Ortiz. And uh, is there any public comment in the chamber on the CAC report? 
Not seeing any. Let's see if there's any remote public comment. Checking for remote public comment on item four. And there is no public comment. All right, public comment on item four is closed. Thank you again, uh, Mr. Ortiz. Uh, and Mr. Clerk, please call item five. Item five, appoint one member to the Community Advisory Committee. This is an action item. All right, and I think we have my, oh, there, there we go, Mike Pickford. With each member serving a two-year term, the board appoints individuals to fill any open seats. Neither staff nor the CAC make recommendations on appointments. Applicants must be San Francisco residents and must appear before the board at least once to describe their interest and qualifications. Attachment two in the packet has a list of applicants and the enclosure has detailed information on each applicant. There is one open seat that's requiring board action today, resulting from the resignation of the prior District 10 representative earlier this year. Um, I can take any questions and Chair, I believe one District 10 applicant uh, Najuwanda Daniels is here to speak to her qualifications via uh, Teams. All right, let's, uh, let's hear from uh, the applicant. Is Najuwanda- Good morning, oh. Chairman. Oh. Yes, can you hear me? Yeah, we can, sorry, go ahead. Good morning, Chair Mandelman and Commissioners. My name is Najawanda Daniels. It is my pleasure to state that I am a San Francisco native. I am born and raised in District 10. I am still living and working in District 10. I have been an avid writer of Muni throughout the city for many years, taking the 48 Quintara to my church in the Mission, traveling on the 19 Polk to work and to downtown, and of course the 53 Southern Heights when it was around on grocery store runs. I am all too familiar with the intricacies of transportation and the need to be equitable in all districts of our city. My professional employment as a union representative with SCIU 1021, one of the largest labor organizations here in San Francisco, allows me to have access and an understanding from the working class of city residents of what concerns are presently related to traveling in San Francisco. We all need transportation to travel to various life functions, commute to work, and participate in work-related business. Accessible, reliable transportation ensures that we all can actively participate in the labor force and gain and retain meaningful employment. I'm excited to take part in this work to make travel safer, healthier, equitable, and easier for all San Francisco. I thank you for your consideration of my application to the Transportation Community Advisory Committee. Thank you. All right. Uh, thank you, Ms. Daniels. Um, uh, Commissioner Walton. Thank you, Chair Mandelman. And just wanted to say to all of my colleagues that I am excited about uh, Ms. Daniels and, and her role as wanting to step up and serve on the CAC. As mentioned, she is native to San Francisco and really knows a lot about transportation uh, as well as the city and county in San Francisco as a whole. And so having her ready for this role is something that um, I, I appreciate and just wanted her to know that and wanted all of you to know that. Thank you, Commissioner Walton. Um, let's see if there is any public comment on this item. And I don't see any in the chamber, so let's see if there's any remote public comment. Checking for remote public comment on item five. And there is no public comment. Okay. Um, then public comment on item five is closed. Um, Commissioner Walton, would you like to um, move the nomination of Ms. Daniels? Uh, 
I most certainly would. I'd like to move the nomination for Ms. Daniels forward. All right, awesome. Is there a second? Second by Stephanie. Um, and let's call the roll on that. On item five, Commissioner Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Commissioner Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey, aye. Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Commissioner Marr. Aye. Marr, aye. Commissioner Melgar. Melgar absent. Commissioner Peskin. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan. Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Commissioner Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. There are 10 ayes. The motion is approved. All right. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Ms. Daniels, uh, welcome to the CAC, and thank you for your willingness to serve. Mr. Clerk, please call item six. Item number six, state and federal legislation update. This is an information item. Uh, I think we have Mark Watts remotely and also Amber Crabb and neither of them. Mr. Uh, Chair Mendel Mendelman and commissioners, I'm pleased to be here today. Uh, sorry for the slow start. Uh, today I have a presentation to cover those remaining uh, active bills that you took positions on or the staff was monitoring. There are four measures that are still active and sitting on the governor's desk uh, pending his uh, uh, action. And there are two uh, bills that we were monitoring as well. In addition, I will uh, also provide a little bit of an update on uh, some uh, uh, August activity related to the state budget of note. So first of all, the bills that are actively uh, awaiting the governor's uh, uh, decision I include AB 117. This is a measure that would uh, make electric bike bicycles uh, eligible to receive funding from the Energy Commission's Air Quality Improvement Program. Uh, I checked this morning, it has not been addressed yet uh, and it is uh, enrolled in, on, on the governor's desk. So we await uh, that decision. In addition, AB 1938 by uh, Assembly Transportation Chair Friedman uh, is a bill that makes some minor technical changes and improvements uh, and clarifications to her uh, speed limit uh, reduction strategy legislation from last year. And that bill, too, is awaiting um, uh, the decision by the governor. Uh, AB 2147 by uh, Assemblymember Ting uh, deals with the jaywalking laws, and that measure is pending uh, decision. Uh, in the last one, I would point out uh, that's uh, actively awaiting that you took a support position on was SB 942. This allows the uh, LCTLP, which is the Low Carbon Transit Operations Program, to uh, be used to provide free or reduced fare transit uh, or transit fares. And uh, this is a bill you supported. Among the bills that we're, we're watching that I want to highlight would be AB 2594, another measure by Assemblymember Ting. Uh, this deals with uh, revi uh, re uh, revisions to or reforms to roadway and bridge tolling uh, throughout the state uh, related to toll tags and making the process more equitable. Uh, and in it, finally, I would point out SB 922, we are uh, watching that measure by Senator Weiner, That's the one that extends the life of uh, exemptions to transportation related projects 
in particular, a number of transit-oriented um, uh, project uh, relief measures. So that measure is due to be addressed between now and the end of the year. Um, I would remind you that in June, the, state, the governor's budget that was approved included $200 million for climate adaptation programs and created three programs, one that's uh, competitive grants by Cal, overseen by Caltrans to local agencies to do planning for climate adaptation. Uh, a second category uh, was a CTC grant program for the development and implementation of local projects as distinguished from planning. And finally, the third category was funding within that $200 million uh, to be allocated to Caltrans so they can move forward with implementing uh, infrastructure improvements uh, to um, adapt to, to climate change. The update to that is in the August budget, another $150 million was uh, added um, to the program. So it provides additional resources for those three categories. In addition, the August budget um, provided a specific $75 million for sea level rise activities. I've been monitoring uh, uh, state agencies and so far no guidelines have been uh, promulgated or developed, but I will keep staff of, uh, apprised as they are. And the last component would be $85 million that was allocated to the Strategic Growth Council uh, for community resilience programs. And that too has not uh, begun to uh, shape their guideline and allocation process yet. So I'll be monitoring that for the next couple of weeks. And with that, I bring my presentation to a close. Be happy to answer questions. Thank you, Mr. Watts. Um, I do not see any. Uh, Ms. Crabb, did you want to add anything? Uh, no, I have nothing to add to Mark's presentation. Thank you. Okay, great. Let's open this to public comment. I do not see any in the chamber. Do we have any remote public comment? Checking for remote public comment on item six. And there is no public comment. Public comment on item six is closed. Um, thank you, Mr. Watts. Uh, let's call item seven. Item number seven, adopt San Francisco's one Bay Area grant cycle three project nominations. This is an action item. Anna Lafort, Deputy Director for Policy and Programming. Good morning, commissioners. Uh, let me pull up my screen and my PowerPoint presentation to share with you all. Here we go. Okay, SFGTV, I am sharing my screen. If you could please pull up the slides, thank you. Okay, all right. So this item that is before the board today is for the One Bay Area Grant Cycle 3 program, and I'm gonna call it OBAG going forward in the presentation. This is the, the largest source of uh, federal funding that flows to the region through the Metropolitan Transportation Commission. Um, and it is primarily targeted to support the implementation of Plan Bay Area, which is the long range transportation plan for the region. This is the third cycle of OBAG. It covers four fiscal years. So fiscal year 22-23 through 25-26. And half of the funds, so it's 
$340 million are available throughout the region for the county share program, and this targets investments in priority development areas. One important change for cycle three compared to cycles one and two is that MTC will be selecting the projects um, from a regional pool of candidates that are nominated by the congestion management agencies like the Transportation Authority for San Francisco. And that's unlike in the past where the CMAs were, uh, were responsible for selecting the projects directly. MTC has asked for project nominations that exceed the available funds by 20%, and so that's to ensure that there is a, um, enough projects in the regional pool for when MTC picks what gets funded. As part of the OBAG-3, MTC sets the nomination targets also, and that's based on a formula that considers population and housing, particularly affordable housing. And based on this formula, San Francisco's share is 15.2% of the funds available, and that's just compared to, um, for reference, 11% of our population share. And let's see here. So our target at 120% is 62.1 million. Priority development areas, let's see. So one of the hallmarks of OBAG is MTC using um, the program itself to incentivize planning and production of housing. And two examples of this are in urban counties, 70% of the OBAG funds must go to PDAs or improve proximate access to PDAs. It's not an issue for San Francisco, clearly. Um, most of our city is included in a PDA. One of the, another example is that one of the OBAG requirements is that jurisdictions have its updated housing element approved by the state by December 31st, 2023 in order to receive these funds. And you also have to comply with other state housing requirements. San Francisco is still working to get approval and the planning department anticipates being able to meet this December 23 deadline. However, if we were to miss it, MTC would be able to direct their funds elsewhere. And we anticipate that just like last time, MTC will work with the CMAs and jurisdictions to get on a path to certification in a timely manner, but the potential threat of losing funds is a good incentive for Bay Area counties to comply. Let's see here. So the county program, we had to use basically all of MTC's requirements for the evaluation criteria along with some San Francisco-specific criteria. These are the types of projects that we can fund, primarily bike, PED, transit, vision zero, transit reliability improvements, and safe routes to school. In May, the board adopted San Francisco's OBAG-3 framework and this included the screening and prioritization criteria that we were going, that we used to evaluate projects for the competitive call for projects, which is the action item before you today. The board also approved at that time OBAC funding for safe routes to schools, non-infrastructure, and CMA planning funds. So after the board took action in May, we released our call for projects for the competitive funds available. As I mentioned, most of the criteria are from MTC. <clears throat> I'll, just add, I'll just add that the focus of the, um, of the types of projects is that um, they had undergone a community-based or robust public planning process and are ready and able to meet the strict timely use of funds requirements that go along with the federal funding. These are some of the San Francisco criteria that we added. What is on your screen now is the list of nine applications that we received in response to the call for projects. Um, 
Bar and uh, what I'll just call out is that they are, the list is organized by agency and then by priority order that the agency submitted the project. So for example, the first three projects are BART projects and the next generation Fairgates project was the top priority for that um, agency. This is compared to the 52.8 million dollars, 855, that is available in funding. And so what is on your screen before you now is the list of recommendations for the One Bay Area Grant. It's in order from highest to lowest scoring. And um, I'll just call out that four of these projects have already received uh, Prop AA vehicle registration fee funds as well, and some have also received Prop K. We are not recommending funding for two projects on this list. As you can see, the Embarcadero Resilience Master Plan is a multi-hazard, multi-sector resilience project. That unfortunately, OBEG is not designed to fund. There are no checkboxes on MTC's application for this type of project. Um, it will produce high-level concepts for how to redesign the roadway to address seismic and sea level risks. We're also not recommending funding for the elevator project at 16th, 24th, and Balboa stations. And we're doing that in order to fund BART's highest priority application, the next generation Fairgates. As noted in the CAC um, report earlier in this meeting, the CAC adopted a motion of support um, for the staff recommendation with an amendment that would require BART and Transportation Authority staff to come back next month to review the funding strategy in particular for, um, for advancing this project along with the schedule. We're happy to do that. And um, there are various funding options that are available for the design phase, which starts in January of 2025. And these funding sources include, but are not limited to, Prop K, Prop AA, the vehicle registration fee, or Measure L, if that is approved by the voters in November. Okay. So on to the projects. The highest scoring project was the Bayview Community Multimodal Corridor, which is also funded by Prop AA. It stems from an, a robust community-based planning process to identify the projects, and it brings direct safety and accessibility improvements to this equity priority community. The scope includes traffic calming measures such as bulb outs, speed humps, meeting in islands, um, visibility, high visibility or decorative uh, crosswalks. And this is to address the um, safety and accessibility on the ride, wide roadways through the residential neighborhood, since this would be creating an alternative multimodal path to Third Street. MTA is also requesting funds for non-infrastructure um, supportive programs, so to be delivered with community-based organizations. So about 860,000 of this request would fund that work. I will just call out that um, MTA has a um, pending application with the state for a particular um, Vision Zero safety uh, funding program. If MTA is successful in obtaining this grant, we would be able to free up some amount of this request from OBAG, and we are um, encouraging MTC to allow for San Francisco to keep the funds on the San Francisco OBAG priority. However, we will not know about if and the amount of funds that are available could be as late as June of 2023. The Central Embarcadero Safety Project also stems from a robust community planning or public planning process. 
It has funds from Prop K for the environmental documentation and project approvals phase, which is underway right now, and um, Prop AA funds also for the construction phase. This One Bay Area grant would round out the full funding plan for construction, and it will have a whole host of, of um, scope measures, including expanding on quick build measures and expand, extending the protected bikeway on Folsom Street, south for two blocks to Bryant, and enhancing the physical protection of the existing bikeway between Mission to Broadway, sidewalk extensions, curb ramp upgrades, and other traffic calming measures at six intersections as well for improved pedestrian safety and accessibility, among other elements of scope. The Westside Bridges project is, um, let's see here, is um, a project that would retrofit. So it, it would, um, it would, uh, one of the structures will be retrofitted, while the remaining bridges will be replaced. These are the structures that you see as you are going e uh, eastbound on the Bay Bridge and approaching Treasure Island. The project is shovel ready, and this helps to fund construction. It, which and the project includes a transit-only westbound on-ramp to the Bay Bridge to accommodate expanded service for the 25 bus route, and a new Class Two bike lane along Treasure Island. It helps to support that work. Once funding is secured, construction could start as soon as 2023 in the spring, early spring. I will just call out that in early 2023, once MTC makes its recommendations, we may need to ask the board to approve a fund exchange, depending on the availability and timing of when the OBAG funds would be available, to ensure that the project can start construction as soon as possible. The 29 Sunset Phase 1, the alignment is shown on your screen. This is the first of two phases of the project for Muni Forward and Vision Zero safety elements for the entire corridor. This funding would complete the funding plan for phase one, which also includes Prop AA vehicle registration fee funds for design. The project provides um, service to Golden Gate Park, McLaren Park, the Presidio, as well as numerous schools, including SF State. And let's see here. Part of the construction would be done through a public works paving project on Sunset Boulevard between Lincoln Way and Lake Merced Boulevard, and that work is anticipated to start construction next summer. Design will be ongoing through 2024 and will happen concurrently with public outreach, which is supposed to start in November, and the design for the sunset route would be completed by the time the paving is supposed to start. Elevator modernization. This is for funding for five stations, including the four stations on Market Street that are shared stations between BART and Muni patrons, as well as the Glen Park Station elevators. Design is slated to start um, in the turn of the year, um, in part with, um, let's see here, I believe it's Prop K or Prop AA funds. I think it's Prop AA funds that are on this project. Hold on, let me get to my right slide on my packet. Um, okay, so let's see here. So, oh, I'm sorry about that. 
I seem to have skipped my notes for this one. So the, um, the project includes four stations that are shared elevator spaces, and BART and MTA have had a long-standing agreement since the 70s that the cost of improving shared station space would be shared between the two stations. So this would be in the crediting of the, of the BART side of the ledger. MTA would still be responsible for funding about $17 million worth of the project cost. We are funding the design phase of improvements at Civic Center and at, and at Powell Street Station. So, sorry, that just came back to my mind. The, um, the MTA has asked that these funds be credited 50-50, so a portion of the funds be credited towards SFMTA. We have um, fully funded all of SFMTA's requests and are uh, continuing to recommend that this is funding for BART. The Yerba Buena Island multi-use path, we're recommending three of a $5 million request, and this would fully fund design. Um, the construction funds would have been the first funds programmed to the $70 million construction phase. OBAG will leverage an active transportation grant from the state and position the project to be highly competitive for additional state funds, including a solutions for congested corridors um, funding grant that MTC actually intends to submit by the end of the calendar year. And the last project is the next generation Fairgates in San Francisco. Uh, this is to replace the existing Fairgates that have reached the end of their 20-year useful life um, and require ongoing maintenance in order to remain reliable and operational. The Fairgates that we would uh, be funding are off-the-shelf. They're swing barrier Fairgates that feature modular components that can easily be switched out when in need of repair and reducing downtime and improving maintainability. And BART could start construction as early as, um, as early as early 2023. We are not recommending funding for the uh, fare gates at the airport station, however, and so we have stipulated that our funds are not to be used in that regard and that BART would be working with the airport to find additional um, capital funds in order to pay for, um, for that station work. Next steps are that we bring our recommendations to you today and then uh, present them. They are due to MTC by September 30th, and MTC is slated to take action at its commission in January of 2023 to select the projects. And with that, I can take any questions, and we also have um, various project managers here, and I'm done sharing my screen. Th thank you, uh, Director LaFort. Um, Commissioner Ronan. Thank you. Um, I, I don't understand how we got from a request for close to $5 million for elevator mod modernization at 1624th and Balboa BART station and that the staff recommendation is zero. Um, I don't understand why Embarcadero, Montgomery, Powell, Civic Center, and Glen Park were prioritized but not uh, the mission elevators and Balboa uh, station elevators. I, those elevators need modernizing desperately, and I, I just, how did that happen? It's, I, I'm very unhappy about it. Sure, I can certainly speak to the funding, and as far as the condition of the elevators, I would um, ask BART staff to speak to that in that regard. Um, the 
the, both of the elevator projects scored closely. However, the, um, the first of the elevator projects will round out the funding plan for construction, which is, and design is already fully funded and it's slated to start in the beginning of 2023. The construction, or the um, design phase for the elevators at um, the two mission stations and at Balboa Park, the design phase is slated to start in January of 2025. And one of the things that we look at, we don't exclusively go in score order necessarily, although this did score slightly under the other elevator project, is um, alternative funding sources that could be available. Um, you know, fact, taking that into consideration in the final decision-making process. And we do have a history of funding um, with Prop K, with the sales tax, and with vehicle registration fees, and potentially with state transit assistance funds as well funding elevator design and also construction. So that was one of the considerations that we took into place and the recommendation from the CAC to report back on the funding strategy is totally appropriate and will, will help to ensure that the conversations advance and that the schedule stays on track. Yeah, that, that doesn't cut it for me. I'm wondering if there's a BART represent, representative that can talk about why uh, the Mission and Balboa stations are sort of getting uh, deprioritized compared to all the other stations. I mean, um, the 16th and 20th, I'll let Supervisor Safai talk about Balboa, but the 16th and 24th Street bar stations are a mess, <laughs> quite frankly, and we are working uh, with BART to fix that at 24th Street, but, um, those stations have not been prioritized historically, and I don't understand why uh, they're in a later timeline than the rest of the stations. So good morning, uh, commissioners, Chairman Edelman. Um, my name is Rob Hawkes. I'm the manager of grants and funding advocacy at BART. I'd be happy to answer your questions, Supervisor Ronan. Uh, so first of all, the elevator modernization program is a system-wide uh, program to improve and modernize all of the uh, elevators across the system, of which there are well over 300. And one of the uh, challenges with that is securing the funding for doing so. And so the team, the, the elevator team, has uh, prioritized the elevators system-wide on a basis of a couple factors, including their current uh, condition, uh, rated generally by downtime, mechanical malfunctions, that sort of thing. Also by ridership at the station. So the heavier used rider uh, elevators or stations with uh, elevators in the worst condition will be prioritized over those that are in slightly better condition or are used less. That being said, within San Francisco, the, in general, the elevators are prioritized with the four Market Street elevators being uh, of a higher priority than the Mission Street ones on the basis of the combined factors of condition and ridership. That being said, there was some investment made at 24th Street Station in 2019 and 2021 to replace certain components when the elevators went out of service to uh, work as a bridge until we're able to secure funding to advance design and construction for that elevator. Additionally, we've, had, we've managed to secure significant funding for the four downtown stations in Glen Park uh, in the past several years from Prop K, Prop AA, San Francisco, in our partnership with Muni, and uh, other funding sources, including our federal funds that we receive for elevator modernization and other state of good repair projects. So that project is ready to advance uh, to construction and will be completed by 2020, 
2029. The remaining stations in San Francisco do not have any uh, funding committed to them just yet. They're in an earlier stage of development. We, if, if this project were funded at this time, that would fund the design work, which would begin in a few years. So one of the factors that we considered when submitting our application was how long uh, the, the expenditure timeline for the funds in question were. So with these OBAG funds, they had a, an obligation deadline or you know, when the funds need to be spent and put into a grant of 2027. And based on that, uh, if, if you see our, our prioritization of our three applications more as a sequencing as opposed to one is more important than the other, in terms of sequencing, the, the projects that were first and second and third in that order could spend the funds more quickly in that order. Um, and so that factored into uh, how, how we prioritize them for this specific funding source. I, I know Supervisor Safe is very anxious to ask questions, but I, I have one more question. First of all, you did request this funding, and it was the staff that decided uh, to recommend zero allocation. So I, I've got an, I, I just want to note that and say I have a major issue with that. I, 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 don't, I, I did not weigh in on that in any way, shape, or form. Um, but number two is, given that you won't, you know, if we, if we followed the staff recommendation, what would that mean for the timeline of replacing those elevators? Yeah, we are looking ahead at Prop L, which has funds uh, designated for BART in that, including $100 million that we have set aside for the core capacity program, that we've targeted for our core capacity program, and a remaining $45 million that we've targeted for other state of good repair and transit investments in BART, which would be identified for this elevator modernization project. As, but go the, ahead. the specific question is, if we followed staff recommendation and didn't allocate the close to $5 million for those three elevators, how would that impact the timeline to get those elevators replaced? I see your question. Uh, it would depend on a number of factors, and you know, the, our ability to secure additional funding would certainly play into that. Um, we have significant amount of federal resources that we can put toward a project, uh, but it could delay the design phase of the project. Um, so this is Sylvia Lamb, who's our Chief Maintenance and Engineering Officer. Hi, good morning. I just want to speak to that. We do have funds invested in those elevators right now. They are in planning. So as Rob said, the progress of the design and being able to go into construction, um, it's, I would say it's not more about those other elevators being delayed. It's that these elevators get to be um, accelerated because they're ready to go. We're constantly looking for funding to keep these projects moving, and it's kind of a rolling funding requests to keep them. So the, the elevators at 24th Street, for instance, are next in the list, and we're continuing to work on planning, we're continuing to work with our other funding to go through design, and then as we get into construction, we'll have to look for additional funding. Let me ask the question a different way. If you got the five million, would that accelerate the timeline for? Yes, it would. Okay, that's all I need to know. Yes. Thank you. Um, thank you, Commissioner Run, Commissioner, uh, and uh, all right, Director Defty is sitting down. Um, Commissioner Safai. Thank you. Um, I, I just, I, I'm disappointed in the staff recommendations this morning. Uh, I will say that I understand that we're planning for a future growth and development on Treasure Island. I'm all for that. But I have been on this board for six years, and the level of investment that has come to the Balboa BART station or transportation infrastructure in my district has been paltry. 
I mean, we had to literally fight and scrap between BART, SFMTA, and TA to get like a million or two million dollars to finish a plaza on one of the largest transportation-oriented developments there just so we could finish the plaza. Balboa BART is one of the most highly frequented stations in the entire system that BART has. So I am all for bike paths and travels on Treasure Island. I want to see that happen. But when stories are written that seniors and those with disabilities can't get into the station, when we have those in abundance in my district, this is a, this is a mistake. I will not be voting for this recommendation today. I think staff needs to go back and do a better job of making better recommendations. I look at this, Central Embarcadero Freeway Safety, six million. West Side Bridges, which again is not in, you know, is down, 10 million. Elevator modernization everywhere other than in the neighborhoods, 13 million, which by the way, we need to do that. That needs to happen. Yerba Buena multi-use, three million. I mean, it, it's everywhere but in my district, and it is consistent. So I'm sorry, I, I'm not gonna be supporting this today. I think you all need to do a better job, and I, I'm tired of, of my district being overlooked and continuously passed over. Thank you, Commissioner Safai. Commissioner Melgar. Thank you, uh, Chair Mendelman. So I wanted to um, echo a couple of the things that my colleague, Supervisor Safai, has said. Balboa Station is not in District 7, but it serves District 7, uh, just like Glen Park serves District 7 as well. Uh, and I'm grateful for the upgrades uh, that are going to happen there. I just wanted to ask um, staff to um, talk a little bit about everything that's going on besides transportation but related to transportation so you know supervisor Safai and I have been working together on um, the transit plan for Ocean Avenue uh, which you know you have been supporting us on and staffing uh, which is related to the ridership uh, in Balboa on the Balboa station for both Muni and BART um, the connection of Muni and BART at the Balboa station is terrible and it serves at City College, one of the most important institutions in our city, uh, as well as Reardon and Lake Wilmerding High Schools. Um, so it's really important, you know, that we are um, creating the infrastructure for young people to be able to succeed as well. Uh, and the Merchant Corridor on Ocean Avenue, which has been more affected by the pandemic than other wealthier districts. So, you know, uh, in looking at the housing element that we are supposed to um, you know, approve in January. Um, those areas are slated for a lot more density, both, uh, you know, Ocean Avenue and all of the surrounding neighborhoods. We're adding thousands of new units, 50% um, of them affordable at the Balboa Reservoir, which, you know, uh, this station will serve. So uh, I understand what the representative said about, you know, the combination of ridership um, use and condition, but my question is, how do we like look forward to all of the ambitious things that we're doing that are frankly attached to more transportation funding, housing funding, and uh, the climate crisis? You know, going forward. Um, I think Director 
Chang is thank going to take I'll, that I'll question. go ahead and take that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and thank you so much to Commissioners Ronan and Safai for your feedback and your comments. I want to let you know that we hear this, and I would recommend that we do continue this to really thoughtfully consider the feedback and to work with BART staff, which submitted three projects, all quite you know good-sized projects, two of which were the elevator types that we've been discussing, and the third being Fairgates. Um, the 29 Sunset is on this list. I do believe it does serve this quarter, um, Commissioner Malgar, that you were suggesting, and it does serve Balboa Park um, and District 11 riders, Commissioner Safai, but we hear you on the question of how to, you know, how to really reconsider these BART stations that are um, in the mission in Balboa Park that, frankly, $5 million of design, I feel like we can be creative and we can work again with the BART staff uh, to look at perhaps other ways to fund that design in parallel, uh, the OBAG funds are one source and we can look at the prioritization, but I think we should also consider all of the other programmatic things that are happening. As Commissioner Melgar mentioned, uh, we are working constantly um, with your offices and the agencies on, on projects such as the Ocean Avenue uh, Corridor Action Plan and other projects that do have a land use component as well but, um, that is really important to the OBAG program. So we've taken the criteria that MTC gave us into account, I, I would ask that we, you know, try not to, uh, try not to shift funds away from, from things like the Embarcadero and then the, the Bayview multi-use path and, and perhaps even the, the West Side Bridges. That is shovel-ready. Uh, it has federal funds on it. And uh, we, we, we can be, cre I think, creative and look at other ways to advance the Mission Street stations. Um, but let, let us work on it and, and come back to you if that's all right. Thank you, Director Chang. Commissioner Walton. Thank you, Chair Mandelman. Just a quick question from a process standpoint, because we can pull projects out of here, right, and still vote on projects that we want to support. Yeah, I believe that's the case, Director Chang. Thank you. Uh, and Commissioner Ronan. Um, I would make a motion that we continue this item to the next meeting. Um, well, I, I understand what President Walton is saying, but I'm just wondering, I just think the, the funding is relational so that we should probably consider it as a whole. Will this delay, I mean, will this cause any catastrophes to any of the projects? I always wanna make sure that it doesn't do that. The, the deadline that we're up against is giving our list of prioritized projects to MTC by the end of September. Okay. So the 27th works. It does work. Okay, so then I'd like to make a, a motion okay. that we continue this item to the 27th. Great. Is there, and it's, there's been a motion made by Commissioner Ronan. It's been seconded by uh, Commissioner Safai. Um, thank you, Ms. Lafort. We do have BART Director uh, Dufty here. Would you, would you like to come on up and say hello? <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Commissioners, it's very nice to see everyone here. Um, you know, I, I think everyone knows that we came to see all of you except for Commissioner Dorsey during the EPAC process, and we were very outspoken in the needs that BART has and how important we see BART as being to the recovery of San Francisco. So I welcome um, this conversation with my fellow sweeper who is out there with me for months and months at 16th and Mission um, when I started as a BART director. And, you know, a lot of our key staff are here, and we welcome the opportunity to work with uh, Director Chang and her staff and, and to meet with supervisors. Commissioner, excuse me, Safai and Ronan. Thank you. Thank you, Director Dufty. I think Director Lee might be on line or on with us. 
through the interwebs? Or maybe not. Yep. Director Lee, would you like to say hello? <laughs> Um, you I, you know, to. I don't have much else. <laughs> I don't have much else to add. I'll just say, you know, I really appreciate the, the comments and the due diligence that your CAC appointees take. Um, I echo um, Director Duffy's comments, and we will continue working with you, uh, SFCTA staff, and BART staff to find a path forward. And you've got our commitment to fund it all with the limited dollars we have. All right. Thank you, Director Lee. With that, let's open uh, item seven to public comment. Is there any public comment in the chamber? Seeing none, uh, do we have any remote public comment on item seven? Checking for remote public comment. And there is no public comment. All right, public comment on item seven is closed. We have a motion uh, made by uh, Commissioner Ronan, seconded by Commissioner Safai to continue this to our next meeting on the 27th. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Oh, I, Commissioner Marr. We have Commissioner Marr. Can you hear me? We can. Thank you, Chairman Alderman. You know, I, I just wanted to say that I, you know, I appreciate the, the discussion around um, how to ensure that the the elevator um, modernization projects at the at the mission and Balboa Park stations are able to move forward, whether it's from the OBAG three funding or some other source. And I, yeah, I definitely support the the continuation to allow us more time to to have those discussions. But I didn't want to also take this opportunity to, re to really um, express my strong support for the 29 Sunset um, Improvement Project uh, on the list, and uh, that this is an incredibly important project um, for so many reasons. Uh, the 29 Sunset Line, um, I, I believe it's one of the longest, if not the longest um, muni lines in the city. And it really connects um, the west side of San Francisco with south with the southeastern neighborhoods. <laughs> um, and and um, there's so many, particularly school communities on the 29, 29 Sunset Line, including in my district, Lowell High School, um, APG and Middle School, and, and St. Ignatius High School. But it also connects um, SF State and, and to City College. Uh, and um, and I think for, um, particularly for my, with my colleagues on the west side, um, Commissioner Chan and Malgar, we've been really advocating for um, in significant Im improvements to north-south um, transit on the west side. So um, this particular um, funding allocation for, for, the, for the phase one of the 29 sunset line would go a long way towards, or be an important first step towards improving and expanding north-south transit on the west side. So I want to thank the TA and, and MTA for their, their work on particularly on this 29 Sunset Improvement Project proposal and um, and also just for the in the TA staff for their work on the overall package of, of OBAG 3 grant proposals or funding proposals. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Marr. All right. I'm reminded by our staff that we don't actually have to take a vote on uh, continuing this. I can just do it as chair. So we're just going to do it. We'll take this up in two weeks. Thank you, uh, Deputy Director Laforte. But I don't think you get to go away because, um, Mr. Clerk, can you please call item eight? Item number eight, allocate $4,412,805 in Prop K funds and $324,000 in Prop AA funds with conditions for four requests. This is an action item. All right, Deputy Director LaFort, this is also your item. Okay, thank you. I am sharing my slides on my screen, SFG TV, if you could please those up thank you 
The, um, there are four requests that are before the board today. The first of the requests is from Caltrain for just under $2 million for the fiscal year 21-22 capital budget contribution from the city and county of San Francisco. Prop K has a long history of providing those funds on behalf of our member um, role, and this is for replacing two rail bridges over the Guadalupe River in um, San Jose, and it's a system-wide benefit, so it's in their capital program. The next request is for uh, just under a million dollars for the Excelsior neighborhood traffic calming project. This is on Sickles Avenue between Cayuga and Mission. There are a host of traffic calming projects, including pedestrian scale lighting, new planted median and street trees, as well as bulb outs. The design phase is slated to be completed by summer of 2024, and the project would be open for use by 2025. The next request was a, a request that was presented to the board in July. This is for tree planting and establishment throughout the city, um, and including so the first three years of watering, uh, weekly watering. We have worked with Public Works in response to um, discourse between um, the board members last, um, last meeting about how um, the performance of some of the contractors who are doing the watering, how that's been going, and if it's um, at all related to the mortality rate for these newly planted trees. So we'll be getting information from Public Works that lines up who planted which trees and how the watering, um, and who has been responsible for watering which trees so we can get some sense of, of the mortality rate. And then the last request is for Oakdale Lighting Improvements, and this is from the AA Vehicle Registration Fee uh, Program for the design phase, and the, the AA program will also be supporting the construction phase of this request for uh, about 50 new pedestrian scale lights on Oakdale Avenue between 3rd and Phelps Streets. And with that, I am done sharing my screen, SFGTV, and um, folks are here to answer questions, and also online. Thank you, Director LaFort. Um, Commissioner Safai. Thank you. Um, very happy to see this moving forward today. We have been working on this uh, for over four years. Uh, this corridor on Sickles is one of the highest injury corridors in the entire city. Um, it is extremely dangerous. Um, it is bookended on both sides by a tremendous amount of children, seniors, and families. Um, so we're very happy to see this design move forward today so we can begin to deal with some of the, um, hopefully look forward to building this project to deal with some of the injuries and some of the pedestrian safety issues and bi bicycle safety issues. Uh, this is a connector point. It's a major entrance to a freeway, um, connects uh, multiple neighborhoods, has bus lines and other connector points that happen in this area. I'm also very happy to see that we've resolved the tree planting and follow up um, with, uh, and I know there's a representative from Clean City here today. Um, again, very proud to have that uh, female-owned uh, small business in my district does a phenomenal job for our city and our trees and our urban canopy of following up and ensuring that the not just when we plant a tree, but that actually a tree takes root. It's about three years worth of work to ensure that a tree actually establishes itself and uh, very, very happy to see uh, this uh, moving forward and finalized today. Thank you, and thank you to the TA and their team for resolving both of these issues. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Safai. Uh, let's open this item to public comment. 
if there's any in the chamber. I don't see any. Um, let's see if we have any remote public comment on item eight. Checking for remote public comment. And there is no public comment. Okay. Um, but I think we might have public comment in the chamber. So uh, welcome. Hi, good morning. I just wanted to introduce myself. Um, my name is Gia Grant. I'm the executive director of San Francisco Clean City. Um, we are, in fact, a nonprofit, but we operate as a social enterprise. Um, we have been watering the trees in District 11 and in the southeast part of the city for close to five years now. Um, and, you know, I took a deep dive into the information given the comments of Supervisor Peskin. And, you know, what we found is that um, the trees are thriving. I'm hoping that DPW will be able to speak to that. Um, and some of the information, but we have been very committed to the community input. Um, in addition to just doing the watering of the trees, it is a workforce program um, for very low-income San Franciscans. Um, we have provided bags on the trees that have 311 so that that information can come back to the city. So I'm here to answer any questions um, now and ongoing about the tree watering. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Um, with that, public comment on this item is closed. Is there a motion to approve item eight? I'm going to say uh, Commissioner Safai wants to move that. Um, is there a second? I will second that. Uh, or is that a Preston? A Preston. Okay, we got uh, Commissioner Preston seconding. And um, Madam or uh, Mr. Clerk, uh, please call the uh, please call the roll. On item eight, Commissioner Chen. Chan, aye. Commissioner Dorsey? Aye. Dorsey, aye. Chair Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. Commissioner Marr? Aye. Marr, aye. Commissioner Melgar? Melgar, aye. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston? Aye. Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan? Aye. Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai? Aye. Safai, aye. Commissioner Stephanie? Aye. Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton? Aye. Walton, aye. There are 11 ayes. The motion is approved. Great. Uh, thank you, Mr. Clerk. Please call item 9. Item nine, San Francisco Transportation Plan Update. This is an information item. Right, and I believe we have uh, Ms. Paz. Hello, give me one second to pull up my slides. All right, and I'm sharing my screen. Good morning, Commissioners. My name is Aliza Paz. I'll be giving an update on the San Francisco County Transportation Plan. Um, I'm going to call it the SFTP for short. So the SFTP is our long-range transportation plan to establish our investment priorities over a 30-year horizon. So this is through 2050. It covers all modes and operators that serve San Francisco, and it's also updated every four years along with Plan Bay Area. The SFTP and Plan Bay Area are consistent with one another, and Plan Bay Area was adopted in October of 2021. We did community outreach in the spring of 2022 to understand community priorities for our discretionary revenues, the revenues that have the most flexibility in how they can be used. We worked with community-based organizations to promote the survey and town hall. In total, we got about 530 responses to the survey. We also met with CBOs in every district, including 17 meetings with youth, business, labor, and community groups. We prioritized meetings with CBOs in equity priority communities and conducted uh, meetings in English, Spanish, and Chinese. 
As a note, the outreach process for the SFTP overlapped with the outreach process for the expenditure plan, and the feedback that we heard in these two um, efforts was consistent. For the SFTP feedback, we heard two types of themes. Investment themes shown on the left were guidance for how the SFTP discretionary revenues are prioritized. We heard the need to restore and expand transit service from beyond what is currently being operated and improve transit reliability. We also heard the need to improve street safety and to continue planning for the next generation of transportation investments. Policy themes on the right are areas where we need to continue our focus uh, to, to continue to focus our efforts through projects and programs. We heard the need to improve accountability and project delivery, incorporate equity and project implementation and improve transit affordability. We also heard the need to improve personal security both on our streets and our transit system, particularly for women in the AAPI community. And we also heard the need to make regional trips easier and more reliable. I'm gonna shift now to the investment scenarios for the SFTP. The investment plan um, is about $80 billion. This is in expected transportation revenues over 30 years. There's also the vision plan, which includes $95 billion of potential new revenues. Within the revenue estimates, there's two types of funds. Committed funds, which are shown in blue on the screen, have limited flexibility for how they can be spent, but they also make up the majority of our revenue estimates. Discretionary revenues, shown in green, um, have the most flexibility in how they can be spent. This is where our outreach was focused. Um, and then as a note, this also includes the 2022 transportation expenditure plan. The transportation needs that we, ha that we have exceed the total amount of money that we expect to have in the future. For example, we could put all of our discretionary revenues towards maintenance and still not meet the total need. So what we're doing in the SFTP is spreading the revenues across the many areas that we have based on our community priorities that we heard through outreach, our known regional and city priorities, and previous work in Connect SF. Um, our revenues also include a mix of local, regional, state, and federal sources, and the SFTP is considering how to prioritize these different revenues to advance our goals. Um, to note here, about 75% of our revenues are from local and regional sources, and these are important um, to match state and federal funds. Now I'm gonna go through some benefits um, of the SFTP investment plan. These are based on a comparison of a transportation future, both with and without the SFTP investments. So first is safety. The investment plan includes funding for about 200 miles of pedestrian and bike improvements to advance Vision Zero actions. This includes things like continuing safe routes to school program, investing in traffic calming to slow vehicle speeds, and also safety improvements like signal sidewalk extensions and crosswalks. We also invest in street maintenance to a level that uh, maintains the average current quality of our roads and upgrades um, sidewalk signs, signals, and bike lanes. As we invest in street maintenance, we can also help prepare for the risk of climate change. There's also investments in transit capital to make the system operate more efficiently. This includes core capacity for Muni and BART to run longer and more frequent trains. It also includes transit priority to keep buses on the busiest lines from being stuck in traffic. There's also funding for paratransit operations and free, oh, free Muni for youth, excuse me. 
The investment plan in the, for the SFTP also helps address congestion and improve access. We would see commute times fall citywide for people taking transit and driving. We'd also see job access improve citywide and for regional trips. And we'd be able to plan for the next generation of transit and freeway projects. Through all of this, we're able to shift some trips from driving to other sustainable modes, um, which leads to an over 3% decrease in daily vehicle miles traveled per San Francisco resident. Paired with electrif electrification of the transit fleet and ferry, we can help reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Here's a summary of all the areas where benefits were measured and how the benefits align to the SFTP and Connect SF goals. Combined, you can see the SFTP investments help advance all of our goal areas. Um, now we're going, this is a summary of the uh, draft investment plan. So again, this is $80 billion investment plan. The investments are shown in blue and the unmet needs are shown in red. The investment, this allows us um, to begin to address our many needs, equity gaps, and advanced citywide transportation improvements, but you can see there's still gaps. The most notable gap here is in transit operations down at the bottom. This means that we can't increase our um, investment levels for transit operations beyond what we have in 2022. We also have additional needs for street safety and transit and street maintenance. This is a summary of our vision plan. Um, the, this is $95 billion. The vision revenues are shown in green here. The additional investments of the vision plan help us address street safety. Um, we can meet the street safety improvement needs and safe routes to school needs. We can also um, increase our investments in new signs and signals and complete streets efforts. We can also um, help transit operations by closing the gaps for BART and Caltrain and exceeding the 2019 investment levels for Muni operations. We can support state of good repair by closing the maintenance backlog for all operators, BART, Caltrain, Ferry, and Muni, and invest more to continue to plan and implement the next generation of transportation projects. Almost done. <laughs> the policy initiatives um, are areas where we need to continue to advance our citywide policies and identify some new policy areas in the coming years. I'm just gonna highlight a few on this list. First, equity, access, and affordability. This is continuing our neighborhood planning efforts, um, but also expanding these efforts to include equity planning and planning to address the changes of land use. This helps create a pipeline of projects across the city that reflect community needs and priorities. Traveler safety and security is supporting investments like lighting, elevator attendance, and security cameras to increase visibility across the system and also continuing to invest in safe streets and pursue legislation for speed management tools. Transit sustainability for all operators is the need to explore ways to expand funding for transit capital and operations. And then finally, new mobilities and autonomous vehicles is recognizing that there's a lot of testing of autonomous vehicles and new mobility options in San Francisco. And we wanna make sure that these new options support our long-term um, transportation goals and priorities. To conclude with next steps, um, we are doing an additional round of outreach right now. There's a town hall um, scheduled for October 5th. More information can be found on our website at sfcta.org sftp. And we'll be returning later this year for plan adoption. With that, I can take any questions and I'm done sharing my screen. Thank you, uh, Ms. Paz, Commissioner Preston. 
Thank you, Chair Mandelman, and thank you for the presentation uh, on this. I did have a question on the, um, the revenue projections over the next 30 years here. What, what assumptions are you making um, in the revenue projections regarding fares? I'm going to have Maria answer that question about fair revenue assumptions. Sorry, Maria Lombardo, Chief Deputy. Sorry, Commissioner. Um, for the fair assumptions, we just used whatever MTA assumes in its long-term planning because they're covering operations. If, if your question about covering free muni for youth, well, if I, we did that yeah, is assumed could, in the baseline. Got it. So, I, I mean, obviously, MTA has indexing affairs. It's been controversial whether they would impose those increases uh, during the pandemic. So, so I guess I'm wondering if so you're assuming that the that the scheduled fair indexing increases all go into effect, and you're assuming that other than free muni for youth, no expansion of free or reduced fair programs is that are those the assumptions? That is correct. Yes, and as Elisa can. Um, repeat something if it's helpful in the vision um, slide towards the end because operational fiscal challenges are so great we threw as much discretionary money as we could towards keeping the same level investment as today for the full 30 years of the plan and then on free muni for youth then the assumption is because obviously that's been approved and funded mm -hmm. for uh, the first year and then extended for a second year and so what's the, is there a source identified as and an, an assumption of ongoing funding of that? Or how's that? It happen? is, a, it, it's assumed that it is fully funded for the full duration. This is just a 30-year plan, not a programming document, so we didn't match up funding sources. Thank you. And, and, and related to that, just on the investment side, um, I see among the policy priorities and initiatives, affordability is listed there. But when I look at the investments, I, I don't see any investments that relate to affordability. So other than what, you, well, I guess there's no commitment to necessarily investing in free muni for youth. So I, I won't assume that. But, but like, what are the investments, looking at this $80 billion investment plan, what if any investments are into greater affordability? So free muni for youth is included in the investments, so that is one affordability component. Um, and then the other ways that transportation becomes more affordable is through investments to make the system operate more reliably and efficient, so transit can be a more reliable option for many people, um, where transit right now may be slow or um, not a reliable option uh, for many trips. Sorry, so that's, that's reliability, but in terms of affordability, other than free muni for youth, no as assumptions around investments? No. Okay, so I, I just, I'm, I'm going to comment. I, under, I understand there are different perspectives on free muni programs. I think when we are projecting out 30 years, we need to be building in some efforts to expand discounted and free muni, some efforts to pilot those things. Um, and I just have got to say, as I've said 
in other circumstances, but every time I talk about this, there's another half dozen cities around the nation that are recognizing that we need to get people onto public transit and that one way to do that is by making it cheaper or free. We need to be piloting free muni. This is not the place for us to decide the contours of a free muni program, but I really hope as we move forward to a more final plan here um, that there's more discussion in the document around what assumptions are being made around fares uh, and whether there are approaches that could directly invest uh, in affordability um, and uh, discount, greater discounts uh, and free, free muni fare programs. I, again, I just want to reiterate, this is a 30-year plan. It's inconceivable to me that we cannot do some planning and incorporating some incorporate some planning around relieving people of fair burdens over the next 30 years. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Preston. It would be interesting to see um, what, uh, how, how reduced fares or free fares kind of move, move that bar and what it does to operate. Like, you know, is it a huge impact? Is it a minor impact? You know, which I don't really have it tremendous sense of. Uh, through the chair, thank you, yeah. Commissioner Preston, for your, for your comments there on free muni or uh, other ways to deepen affordability. We certainly understand it's needed, uh, and it's a ripe conversation, even nationally. I don't know if folks uh, heard the recent Freakonomics podcast on this very topic with Michelle Wu, the mayor of Boston. So it is a very sort of a national relevant debate. Um, however, I am sort of uh, so obligated, I think, to point out that even in the vision plan, so both the investment plan, which is the constrained investment plan over 30 years, and the vision plan, which assumes more revenues, we don't get to even fully funding service levels as, such as they are today. Um, and, and we were trying to get back to 2019 service levels, you know, restoring all the lines that uh, still yet not have not come all, all the way back. So we are hard-pressed even in the vision plan to get to full funding of the operations of that network. Um, so it is, a, it is an important debate to have, you know, how to spend the marginal dollar uh, to, to m further deepen affordability or to restore service, which we do not all get all the way to, um, in, even in the investment plan. And that's a national conversation. I think cities um, across the state and the, and the country are very concerned about what we face in the next few years with regard to the COVID relief money running out. Um, and fares not coming back, and really needing to shift to a completely different way of funding transit that is not based on ridership and, and fares, but broad-based, uh, perhaps similar to the libraries, you know, where we are tapping, um, asking voters to tap the, the, the property tax base. So I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all. And so let's just repeat those. The operational assumptions built into these operations bars are um, are pre. Yeah, I can clarify that. Yeah. So in the investment plan, the transit operations have investment levels that are equal to what we have in 2022. So it assumes the same investment levels that we have currently. In the vision plan with the additional revenues, we can start to get close to the 2019 investment levels. Um, but as Tilly mentioned, there are still gaps um, in, in meeting and exceeding the amount of service that we had pre-pandemic. Well, that's not a great, that's not a terrific plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm sort of, I mean. Go ahead. Commissioner Preston is interested in a bigger 
a longer line that shows fare reduction. I guess I'm interested in a longer line that shows um, service that actually comes frequently and gets people, you know, where they need, to, which we weren't really at in 2019. I mean, both of those things seem to be absent from this. So we have a plan to get to a place that isn't all that great and it still has unmet need. Yeah, one thing I would note too is that- Unhappy. <laughs> one thing I would note too is that the SFTP is updated every four years. So this is a particularly challenging time as Tilly pointed at. So um, this plan right now is a snapshot in time and there is an opportunity in four years to relook at um, where the revenue estimates are um, and look at how operations would change at the next update as well. And I noticed that, well, go ahead, Director Chang. Thanks, Elisa, for mentioning that. I'll just also note that the state, I think, is also a potential partner here, not just, I mean, we, we did mention this to, to our state delegation and they were sympathetic. However, they noted that this is a national problem. So they did not want to preemptively come in uh, to, to, try to, pre to try to begin solving this um, before the national conversation could catch up. So I do think the next four years will be instructive, obviously to see how recovery goes, to see how ridership responds, and to also see how the, uh, the state and national conversation um, evolves, um, and this is also a, a color of money issue, because if we could put more discretionary money on operations, we, we would have, but we are constrained in MTC's funding world that, you know, the color of money being only for capital governs how we could even put, represent that in the plan. Um, so operating funds are very dear, they're very hard to come by, um, and it's a really important conversation for revenue um, generation, new revenue measures in, in the future. Um, I was also a little struck by this uh, page that has that says that nearly 75% of the investment plan revenues are local and regional. Um, I know as we are talking about our sales tax, we're talking about how much we leverage federal capital dollars. Is this swing because of op operational costs primarily? Meaning? Being going from pretty well you know, leverage, bringing in lots of Yes, it's operating. Uh, that's the big... Not well leveraged, not getting a lot of help from... <laughs> Indeed, that's why it's a little bit confusing, but okay. thanks for pointing that out. Okay. Um, Commissioner Preston, I still have you on. Is that because I just didn't take you off, or do you have a... You, you have a go ahead. I, I will, would like to just follow up, because it, it, is, it is an ongoing source of frustration that the approach seems to be to exclude any serious conversation around fares, fare relief, free muni pilots, discount fares from, from these conversations. Fully bake the, the, the cake here, right? Have your 30 years of planning and then frame any attempts to reduce fares as an effort to take away service. So this is, this is an ongoing source of frustration for, for our office. It is inherent in the framing that we hear today. It is one thing to look at a present budget and say that if you take a dollar less over here on fares, you have a dollar less to spend. It's, an, it's one thing to say that in the immediate, you know, what is before us when you don't have options like going to the ballot or seeking state funds or other things, but to have this draft document, I just can't emphasize strongly enough, we need a more open and transparent discussion around fares, and as the chair suggested, looking at 
how much of the revenue is from fares, what would the impact be if, for example, MTA did not impose its increases, uh, the indexing, or if the existing programs were expanded so that more low-income people could have discounted rates or free fares, um, or there were pilots and, and, and so forth. It, it is just, a, a, for long-term planning, and, and, and we are making this mistake over and over again in San Francisco, and this kind of document is where we should be at least exploring what some of the assumptions are and what some of the possible uh, scenarios are. So um, I, I just would urge, like this, this is one of the great problems right now, is that every, you, ha you have a lot of people that feel passionately about fair relief and about free muni, and believe that we need to tax the wealthy and get money from the feds and from the state to fund operations and to fund you know, service and fares. And if we continue to act as if the, the sole discussion should be to assume that everything stays the same on our fare policy and, and then only talk about the service and capital needs, um, it's going to be, uh, I, I think, a, a, a real um, missed opportunity for us as a city. So anyway, I, I look forward to collaborating with the TA on, on ways to, to have that, to, to have the long-term planning documents at least more openly reflect uh, that, that uh, discussion um, and the possibilities. Uh, and I will just end by saying Google Free Transit, and it's like, Every week, there is a new city somewhere in this country. And San Francisco is supposed to be the leader and transit first. And we are not even piloting or pioneering free transit in any meaningful way other than the wonderful Free Muni for Youth program that I know we all support. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Preston. Let's open this item to public comment. And I don't see any in the chamber, so let's see if there's any remote public comment. Checking for remote public comment on item nine. And there is no public comment. All right, public comment on item nine is closed. Um, thank you, Ms. Paz. Um, Mr. Clerk, please call item 10. Item 10, introduction of new items. This is an information item. And I don't see anybody popping up in the queue, so please call item 11. Item 11, public comment. Uh, if there's anyone in the chamber who would like to make public comment, please come forward. Let's see if there's anyone who wants to make remote public comment. Check for remote public comments. Hi, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Good morning, supervisors. Ron, Brian, San Jose. Um, I meant to speak on uh, item eight, but unfortunately, and outside nine instead of star three. Um, the, the only thing I'd like to say under general public comment, um, I would really like the supervisors, or rather the staff, um, in, in uh, conjunction with MTC, to pay close um, attention to some of the projects that um, uh, come to you for um, uh, funding. Um, I can't speak to item number eight, but I know that bridge very well because I take it. It's between Deridan and Tamiya, and I take it every time. I go to um, uh, Deridan. The, the bridge on the slide was the Union Pacific Bridge. 
the, the one the Caltrain uses is behind it. Um, well, the only thing I want to say, you really, really, really um, want to work very closely with this project and find out where the money is going rather than just the amount. Thank you. Thank you, caller. There is no more public comment. All right, then uh, public comment for item 11 is closed. Mr. Clerk, please call item 12. Item 12, adjournment. We are adjourned. Thank you.